This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Blue Wire. Buddy, I hope you boys and girls are ready to get big mad today on Fin It to Win It. I'm Kyle Krabs, your host, and we're going to undergo a really depressing exercise today. It's the uh, masochism of the offseason, right? What we're going to do today, we're going to look back through the last decade of first round picks that the Dolphins have made and consider who they did pick. Versus who else was available that they probably, with hindsight being 2020, should have picked. And how much different this team could be. And the, the reason why I'm undergoing this exercise, the, the value here for you as a listener and fan of Finna to Win It and the Dolphins organization and football in general is to understand I'm a draft guy. There is value at every corner and every turn of the NFL draft if you put players in the right situations. And, case in point, in the exercise we're going to go today, you can get all pro players up and down the first round into the second round. Point here being, we don't need to tank as an organization to get a great football player. Shoot, we might not even have to tank to get a franchise quarterback if we need one. And that's the point that I want you guys to walk away from this show with is the understanding that, look, you can get a great football player at any point in the draft, and that's not even getting into the reason why the Dolphins have stacked up and loaded up on draft capital is that they can be aggressive so that if Josh Rosen doesn't work out and the timing is right and the value is right, they now have a great opportunity to get aggressive and quote-unquote go get their guy which is what the latest trend in the NFL is. So you don't need to purposely tank. Would it be great if you just so happened to go 3-13 and and get the first pick and Trevor Lawrence is in the draft? Yeah, that'd be awesome. But by and large, it doesn't work that way. you got to compete with other teams in the draft process, in the draft order, just like you do compete with them. So I battled back and forth a little bit trying to figure out if I wanted to reveal this counting forwards or counting backwards. And ultimately what I decided I think would have the best dramatic effect is to start back in 2010. And look at the 2010 draft. The Dolphins were picking in the late 20s. uh, Trade back. I believe they traded back with the Chargers this year. And um, they drafted Penn State defensive lineman Jared Odrick uh, with this pick. Odrick was a productive starter for the Dolphins but not anything spectacular. His career production wasn't anything that's going to jump out the page at you. And 
when you consider some of the alternatives in this 2010 draft class, this one hurt. Rob Gronkowski was in this draft class and went to the Patriots in the second round, the early second round. Granted, do want to give the Dolphins some credit here. There was the concern with Gronkowski and his back coming out of Arizona. Uh, It was something that kind of had teams on pins and needles, and ultimately Gronk played 10 years but battled injuries throughout the course of that time frame. So it wasn't something that didn't at least have some merit at the time. But look at the Dolphins' track record at tight end. And look at what Rob Gronkowski was able to do even when he was battling the injuries. Sure, he's catching passes from Tom Brady. But I don't care who your quarterback is when you're as good as Rob Gronkowski. And we'll get to that case in point in a couple years when we talk about another player the Dolphins should have picked versus who they did pick. Gronkowski would have been a phenomenal building piece for this offense, especially when you start to undergo this waterfall process Look at who else is available for this team. Uh, 2011, uh, the Dolphins drafted Mike Pouncey, the center out of the University of Florida. Pouncey had a nice career with the Dolphins. This past year, 2018, was his first year somewhere else. He went to Los Angeles, played with the Chargers. And Pouncey, he was worth the draft slot that they picked him. But I think in hindsight, again, when when you have the hindsight being 2020 and you can appreciate what else is out there for you if you were to go a different direction, I would go a different direction than Mike Pouncey. Mike Pouncey started off very strong in his career, but the, the last two or three years he was in Miami, he didn't play up to the standard that he set early in his career. Um, and I certainly think when you consider the player that went immediately after Mike Pouncey was Washington's Ryan Kerrigan, who is very quietly on pace for like a Hall of Fame career when you consider the production that he has. Kerrigan's been phenomenal, and Kerrigan's actually getting better with age, too. Kerrigan is is averaging, I believe, 12 sacks a season over the course of the last mm, three seasons, I believe. He's had 13 in each of the last two years. Uh, He was drafted in 2011 and has 84 and a half sacks. Phenomenal production for Ryan Kerrigan. And consider Ryan Kerrigan complimenting Cameron Wake, who was in the prime of his career at this juncture in 2011, Rob Gronkowski. So you may be asking me now, that's great, Kyle. But who's going to play quarterback? Well, the Dolphins didn't know that in 2011 either, which is why they drafted Ryan Tannehill, with a top 10 pick in 2012. You know who else was in the 2012 NFL draft? Russell Wilson, third round. Dolphins picked the wrong quarterback. Now, I'll give them credit. At least they swung the bat, right? The worst thing you can do as a team is to to have a nucleus that you feel like you can win with and not have the quarterback behind it. It's what like we saw the Houston Texans do for a couple years uh, with all the, the phenomenal defense that they had and Bill O'Brien skirting by it like 9-7 and seven with Brian Hoyer and Brandon Whedon starting games and TJ Yates and Ryan Mallett 
That was legit. The the Texans started four quarterbacks in 2015, won the division at nine and seven, and each of those four quarterbacks started games. Can't do it. Which is why you then saw the Texans finally cave. They they tried the Brock Osweiler thing for a year with the worst contract I've ever seen handed out in free agency in my time as a professional in the industry. And then they traded up and drafted Deshaun Watson. Props. That's how it should be. Dolphins didn't have to trade up. They could stand pat, got Tannehill, the back end of the top 10. You just took the wrong one, which is fine. So let's recap. The Dolphins in 2010 through 2012 came away with Jared Odrick, Mike Pouncey, and Ryan Tannehill, and could have had Rob Gronkowski, Ryan Kerrigan, and Russell Wilson. Not great. Hardly the endorsement that you're looking for if you're looking at a front office and the decisions that they're making collectively and uh, want to get excited about your organization. And it didn't take us until 2019 to know that this just wasn't in place the way it needed to be from a roster construction and slapping Band-Aids on stuff. And we saw this time and time again. Now, who's to blame here? Hello, Jeff Ireland. Everybody's favorite general manager. The man asked an NFL draft prospect at the Combine if his mother was a prostitute, and we're surprised that he has bad judgment. Now, he's getting a lot of credit for what's going on in New Orleans right now. He's the assistant general manager there. But um, Ireland took over the Dolphins in 2008, part of the Bill Parcells experience. And throughout that time, I mean, you're, you're looking at the meat of his draft class. He's got one more draft class coming up, and it arguably hurts the most because the bust was so bad. Do you guys remember the Dolphins traded up to number three and gave up two second-round picks, including like thir- 42 overall, I think, was one of those picks. They traded up in this terrible draft class. It's really exciting. They needed an offensive lineman. Lane Johnson's on the board. And instead, they drafted Deion Jordan, the defender from Oregon, that nobody had any damn idea how to actually use on the football field. Very upsetting times. I'm actually trembling with rage behind the... uh, the microphone. I don't know if you can hear it, but trust me. Dion Jordan and that selection, not only for passing over Lane Johnson, but bear with me. You fast forward to the end of the 20s, I believe it was 27 overall. Houston drafted a wide receiver by the name of DeAndre Hopkins, who the Dolphins would love to have right now because he's not as tall as Devontae Parker, but he's everything that we hope Devontae Parker would eventually become if he wasn't soft and played to his potential. So Jeff Ireland in four years came away with Jared Godrick, Mike Pouncey, Ryan Tannehill, and Deion Jordan in the first round, plus the draft capital that it took to get to that position, two extra second round picks. And could have walked away with Rob Gronkowski, who went like 12 picks later, 
Ryan Kerrigan, who went one pick later, Russell Wilson, who went two rounds later because he was 5'11 or 6 foot or somewhere in that general ballpark, favoring a, a quarterback who was so good that he had to play wide receiver initially at Texas A&M, and DeAndre Hopkins. Wilson, Hopkins, and Gronkowski. You think that offense is scoring some points? You think Joe Philbin still got his job if they take those three guys? It's a really, really crushing turn of events at the beginning of this decade for the Dolphins. And you look at that and, well, gee whiz, I wonder why this team's like winning percentage this decade is, is 42%. Look right there, and you know who to thank. His name's Jeff Ireland. Thankfully, this would be Jeff Ireland's final draft class in charge of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, They've seen enough, right? When that's what you walk away with over the course of four years, we know who you are. We know what your capability is of running a team. Let's go ahead. 2014 marked the arrival of a new man in charge, Mr. Dennis Hickey. Uh, who was hired as the general manager on January 27, 2014, and finalized his tenure almost two years to the date later. He was three weeks short. Uh, January 2016, he left the organization. Over that time, you did see some overlap with Mike Tannenbaum. Uh, But let's stay focused on the task at hand and talk about the Dolphins' selection in 2014 under Dennis Hickey. They drafted Juwan James, who we've just seen leave the Dolphins organization, sign a record-setting contract to be the starting right tackle on the Denver Broncos. He's going to have rookie Dalton Reisner playing next to him at right guard. Uh, It's an exciting blend for the Denver Broncos. But it's also one of those difficult business decisions that I think the Dolphins were justified in letting Juwan James walk. He's not worth the cash that the Broncos ponied up, pun intended, for Juwan James. Um, But he is a above-average starting right tackle at the NFL level. And if you need offensive linemen, shoot, they're hard to come by. So that's uh, that. That's the dilemma that the Dolphins were put into, as far as did did your play really command that we need to keep you? And the answer was no. Is it going to hurt to lose you? The answer is yes. But the guy that they could have drafted, another early second round guy, James Wynn at the end of the teens, another pass rusher that we could have paired in this hypothetical scenario with Ryan Kerrigan. Demarcus Lawrence from the Dallas Cowboys, who has really turned the corner. He was a slow starter, but you kind of knew that coming out of Boise State based on uh, he was getting by with size and explosiveness versus technique, and and he's really advanced his game as far as being a pass rusher and his uh, ability to, to slip blocks. Very, very productive player. Exciting times. You're talking about him and Ryan Kerrigan playing next to each other. Shoot, Lawrence may have even broken out earlier if he had the benefit of Karen Kerrigan opposite him 
uh, on the pass rush with Cam Wake as the guy. You know, we're getting into the 2014, 2015. Cam's getting up in there in age a little bit. He's in his mid mid 30s. We can keep Cam fresh. We got Kerrigan, Lawrence, and Cam Wake. I don't care that we have three pass rushers. There is no such thing as too much pass rush. And great teams win with good pass rush in which they can organically just bring their front and and commit as many guys to coverage as possible. You accomplish that by drafting Demarcus Lawrence, Ryan Kerrigan, and and having Cameron Wake on your roster. So we're halfway through this exercise. I'm going to take a quick break and I want to talk to you guys about today's sponsor for the podcast, ShipStation. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter what you're selling, whether it's on Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all of your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. ShipStation works with all the major characters, including the U.S. Postal Service, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best available rates. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's B-L-U-E. That's ShipStation.com. Promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. How you guys feeling? You sticking with me? You feeling dizzy yet? Not great, right? Moving into the last five years, the Dolphins... Made some changes. They elevate Chris Greer throughout the organization. You're you're starting to see uh, some fruit of the labor be bore, which is promising for uh, the next five years or so if they continue to draft at the rate that they are. Uh, We'll talk about the 2016 class specifically and why that one is so exciting. Uh, But before we get there, we do need to talk about 2015. I've already thrown Devontae Parker under the bus once on this podcast. I'll, I'll elect not to do it again. But I will talk about the alternative, and this wasn't a great draft class. There were a lot of wide receivers that went early in this draft class, and they all kind of stink, to be honest with you. But there is a player in the first round, end of the first round, who jumps out as potential free safety, potential boundary corner that the Dolphins could have eventually paired with Xavier Howard, who they drafted in the second round in 2016, a year later. And it's Byron Jones of the Dallas Cowboys. So now back-to-back picks from the Dallas Cowboys – Demarcus Lawrence and Byron Jones, you take into consideration where the Cowboys are right now as an organization, they've drafted very well, by and large, over the course of the last four, five, six years. Lawrence is a second-round pick. Byron Jones into the first round. Zeke Elliott, Dak Prescott is a starting quarterback. They got in the fourth round. Uh, Leighton Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith at the linebacker position. That roster has some holes, and they haven't hit everything. But that's a team that you can point to, and the impact positions and the impact players on the team, Taco Charlton aside, they've done a really nice job of drafting and consistently drafting well. Will McClay there, their 
uh, one of their higher ups and executives in that front office deserves a lot of credit for the work that he does. Byron Jones would have been a phenomenal pairing with Xavier Howard. Very exciting duo. Ball skills, superb athleticism for his size. His, he's bounced around a little bit between free safety and corner. He'd play either, and he'd be an upgraded either position for the Miami Dolphins. Instead, we got Devontae Parker, who just can't seem to, to get himself on track. He'll get two more cracks at it, one more crack at it. If he flops again this year, they might cut their losses. Uh, but the more I think about that extension for the Dolphins, that restructure, uh, I appreciate it enough in that Dolphins really don't have anything to lose with that. So let's see how it goes for Devontae Parker. Maybe uh, year five is the charm for Parker. 2016, Dolphins drafted Laramie Tunsil with a 13th overall selection. After Tunsil experienced a slide, he was expected to go sixth to Baltimore. And uh, this, this gasp mass video of Tunsil came out 30 minutes before the draft started, and teams ran for the hills. The Tennessee Titans drafted Jack Conklin. They're not exercising his fifth-year rookie team option as a first-round pick, as a top-ten pick. He went eight overall. Ravens probably don't have too much regret with Ronnie Stanley. He's been very good. Dolphins opportunistic, trusted their scouting department, their background checks. They pulled the trigger on Laramie Tunsil. It's been a great pick. They didn't do him any favors once he got here. Laramie Tunsil having to start inside and playing right guard because, or left guard because Brandon Albert refuses to kick inside as an aging, deteriorating, not 100% his old self veteran on the team, appeasing Brandon Albert and putting Laramie Tunsil at left guard set back Laramie Tunsil from a professional player development. He wasn't a player that didn't have some technical deficiencies that he needed to work on, and instead they made him learn a new position, and then once Albert got hurt, they kicked him out the left tackle. That's the kind of silly stuff that you make decisions for the long-term benefit of the team. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And sorry, Brandon Albert, but you're not going to be around long enough for us to really care that you had your feelings hurt because you got asked to step inside and play left guard in 2016 for the Miami Dolphins. If you guys can't tell, I'm a little fired up about that pick. Also fired up about this pick. 2017, the Miami Dolphins drafted Charles Harris with the 22nd overall selection. Charles Harris in uh, two years has given the Miami Dolphins three sacks. And uh, essentially zero production as a pass rusher. Good news is, in my hypothetical situation, the Dolphins already have Ryan Kerrigan Cameron Wake, and Demarcus Lawrence. So guess what? We don't need to pick Charles Harris. And thank goodness, because there's an all-pro offensive tackle that went 10 picks after Charles Harris. New Orleans Saints drafted Ryan Ramchek from University of Wisconsin. There's a really great pedigree for Wisconsin offensive linemen, and Ramchek is like the cream of the crop right now. He has been a phenomenal 
offensive lineman for the New Orleans Saints. He's arguably one of the three best offensive tackles in the game of football, left or right. Picked at 32 because his, he was a little boxy and he's not the most athletic. Well, guess what? I don't really care. He'd be an upgrade over Jawan James, 10 times over. Again, in this hypothetical, we don't even have Jawan James. So if you're keeping score at home, the Dolphins could have drafted Laramie Tunsil and Ryan Ramchek in back-to-back drafts. I'm not giving the Dolphins a redraft for Tunsil. They don't need one. Tunsil was a great pick at that juncture, and he's going to be a very good football player. But they drafted for need in 2017 by drafting Charles Harris, and it's a great example of unless you're drafting a quarterback, and in some cases, Ryan Tannehill, even then you shouldn't be drafting for need. Draft the good football players. Ryan Ramschak and Laramie Tunsil would be an elite offensive tackle pairing, and they'd both be on rookie contracts. They would both be very young, very talented, might be the best pairing in the NFL. Assuming Ramschak played to the degree that he's played with the Saints, which is a big assumption, don't get me wrong. But to summarize, to this point in the exercise, we've looked over the last, not the last, we still have 18 and 19. We looked over draft picks for the Miami Dolphins in the first round from 2010 to 2017. Of those picks, the Dolphins actually picked Jared Odrick, Mike Pouncey, Ryan Tannehill, Deion Jordan, Juwan James, Devontae Parker, Laramie Tunsil, and Charles Harris. Of the picks that they made... Pouncey was good for three or four years. Tannehill was promising. His second, third, fourth year in the league, he looked all right. 2016, before he got hurt, he looked all right. But the Dolphins ruined Ryan Tannehill. Couldn't block for him. All the pressure wore down his body and wore down his mind for the game. Juwan James was good for the Dolphins, but no longer with the Dolphins because he wasn't good enough to warrant the contract he was going to get. Parker's still with the team. We're waiting our fifth straight year for a breakout. And Laramie Tunsil. Very promising, all-pro potential in Laramie Tunsil. Arguably the best pick the last of this eight-year stretch. Audric, Pouncey, Tannehill, Jordan, James, Parker, Tunsil, Harris could have had Gronkowski, Ryan Kerrigan, Russell Wilson, DeAndre Hopkins, Demarcus Lawrence, Byron Jones, Laramie Tunsil, Ryan Ramchek. Without even trading picks, these were the players available when the Dolphins were on the clock. Let it sink in. There's talent up and down the first 50 picks of any draft. And in some cases, Russell Wilson's, you get an exception. He's available even later because there's a perception on him because he's too, too short. And even now, if the Dolphins were in that position and the year was 2018, Wilson probably goes to the Dolphins because teams are more receptive to the Baker Mayfields, who's six feet and three quarters of an inch, and the Kyler Murrays, who's 
apparently 5'10", but I'm not buying. <laughs> Russell's short, but Russell was dense. I'm sure we'll get the same BS about Tua. Tua measured in at Alabama's underclassman pro day this spring at 6 feet and 3 quarters inches and 230 pounds. We'll hear about how he's not 6'2". We shouldn't at all, but I guarantee you we will. Last two years of drafts, Minka Fitzpatrick, Christian Wilkins, those are both promising players. I'm not going to change those. I like what Chris Greer, by and large, other than drafting for Neen in 2017, has done with his opportunities, and that's why I'm so excited that they're investing in more draft capital for more opportunities. He deserves the opportunity to do that because he has done so well with the opportunities he's had. He's drafted Tunsil, Minka, and Wilkins in three of the last four years. 2016, he also drafted Xavier Howard in the second round, traded up to get him. Kenyon Drake in the third round. Jakeem Grant, exciting return guy and, and depth receiver with some speed options, gadget guy. Great at for the Dolphins. I think that I think by and large, if you look at the first two days of every Dolphins draft thus far under Chris Greer, the only two picks that we can say don't look great are 2017 Charles Harris and 2018 Mike Gusecki. The book's not closed on Gusecki, but it's not a great start. Tight ends consistently take more time to transition. There's hope here. Let's not give up, but I'm not optimistic. But by and large, you look at the body of work of the players that Chris Greer's been able to bring in over the last three or four years for the Miami Dolphins and compare and contrast that to what we've seen, what we saw Jeff Ireland and Dennis Hickey and Mike Tannenbaum do, it's an excellent step in the right direction. There's reason to be optimistic here. Hope I didn't hurt your feelings too bad. I hope I didn't ruin the, the start of the week. I know it's only Tuesday. We got a long week ahead of us. Dolphins training camp is getting close. We're a couple weeks out. Looking forward to having some guests on the show, some fresh opportunities to talk about fresh content and to stop looking back on the past and reopening up old wounds. I'm Kyle Krabs, at Grinding the Tape on Twitter, lead editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, diehard Dolphins fan, your host of Fin It to Win It. Thanks, as always, for checking us out. Make sure you check out everything else that the Blue Wire podcast family has to offer. Some phenomenal talents with some phenomenal shows. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.